0: Welcome to Taking Up Your Time with Bobby Benavides. I am your host, Bobby Benavides, and I am here today um, excited about the interview I'm going to be sharing with you in a little bit with uh, Dawn Davis Womack, a comedian. Um, She is the producer, uh, show producer for X2 Comedy. She and her husband both do some awesome work. In Virginia, and they bring in comics, and they just are supporting local comedy and doing some great work. Uh, I'm going to have her share her story and and share kind of some stuff about herself. So I'm excited for that. Uh, Dawn is funny. I've had her up here for an open mic at Binder's uh, Tavern and Restaurant um, in Elkins, West Virginia, uh, for the first open mic that we did, and she she rocked it. She's just really, really funny. Um, So yeah, I'm looking forward to you hearing that story. So again, uh, if you like this episode uh like it share it subscribe to it all that stuff again follow bobbybcomedy.com you can go on there and see all the information about the tour that's coming up in the fall see my upcoming comedy dates august 18th getting prepped up to do a private show for some uh i guess it's a southern no baptist it's a baptist convention pastors group i don't know but it's on a, it's on a boat And I'm making people laugh on a boat. So that's fun. So, with that, um, here's my interview with Don. And I'll probably be back on to close out the show. Um, But just in case, bye for now. Here's Don and me talking about comedy.
1: I'm ready.
0: Oh, Sorry. There we go. All right. Just kicked okay. in. <laughs> it's always <laughs> fun just to kind of have that engagement just like going on. Like, all right, there we go. Let's just keep talking. Right.
1: Like <laughs> yeah. This is
0: like, this is going to end up on the podcast. I'm not going to delete this part right here.
1: Cause this is fun. So. <laughs> it is fun.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, Don, I, I'm I am excited to have you on. Like, seriously, this is a you know I, I, after having you come join us at the open mic at uh, Beenders here in Elkins. That was a great time uh, yes. learning more about you and just kind of watching what you do and and seeing all the stuff you do. It's it's great to have you on the podcast. So thanks for joining me today.
1: Well thank you so much for having me Bobby. It's an honor to be here with you today. I appreciate the invite and coming down to meet the fine folks in your area. It really was a great time. I enjoyed myself and hopefully I get to come back someday.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, uh, yeah we're, we'll we'll be talking. We'll definitely be talking cuz uh you know, I, I'm I'm trying to find my way down to you guys to go. You know, hopefully join you on one of your your shows sometime. But it's a it's just a great great thing. So, yes. um, so let's let's talk about let's talk about what you do. I mean, you have, I mean, you have your Virginia's for Laughers, uh podcast. Yes. You have X two comedy, right? Yeah. Um, and because I'm saying that right, because every time I say it, I'm like I'm like, is it times two comedy? X <laughs> two. Right? X two comedy. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about X two comedy. Like let's 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 talk about what that is.
1: Okay. Yeah. X two comedy is a comedy production company based out of Harrisonburg, Virginia, and we put on pop up comedy shows throughout the Shenandoah Valley. And those shows are average rent length is seventy five to ninety minutes, and they feature local, regional, and national touring comedians. And it's, it's branded as cleanish, cleanish comedy because we work <laughs> with comedians that work clean exclusively, as well as the comedians that work, you know, it's different ways people phrase that, blue, mature, R-rated. And we ask those comedians to do a clean set for us. Now, their line of clean is a lot looser than our church comics, ergo, cleanish <laughs> comedy. <laughs> Yeah <laughs> yeah. but it makes it a lot of fun because it it intentionally puts all walks of diverse thought on stage and diversity represented on stage. and that appeals to our audience as well. So there's a little something in it for everyone.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I- I Know we talked about this before, but I'm gonna go ahead and for the people listening to the podcast, you might hear some banging, some stuff shif- shifting around. We have we have a roofers going on, in, like in the past few episodes, I think they've heard me talk about roofers doing work because we've had crazy stuff. But, um, you know, we have a bunch of water coming into our house, it was a great time. Um, so yeah, so, we're, so, yeah. so that's fun. So, so clean ish comedy, right? This is clean-ish. this is all this is a good time because like for me, like, I mean, I, you, you know, like I'm, I, I work clean um, yes. now. So I, so some people I had somebody actually tell me because I did a recent open mic and I made a joke alluding to, cause I went, we're going to work on defining clean comedy together. I think mm-hmm. in this moment, because um, I did an open mic and I made a I I made a joke alluding to my wife and I, uh, you know, being together. Right. Cause we have five kids. Met-
1: and marital relations, <laughs>
0: marital relations. Yes. <laughs> that
1: produce the five kids. <laughs> yes. You know,
0: I mean, like, like people don't realize why we have, you know, and so anyway, but my father-in-law's there and I make a joke uh, about like, I told my son, I was basically talking about how trying to get my son to go to bed. Cause I'm like, man, I want to sleep with your mom. And then I'm like, Oh, whoops, my father-in-law's here. Well, Oh, well, you know, and then I'm like, but we have five kids, you know, what's going down. Right. That was, the, that was kind of like the basic joke. I had somebody come to me and said, like, "You weren't clean, right?" I'm like, "Well, yeah." They're like, well, "Don't you think that I was a little bit racy for a clean comic?" And I was like, "Was it like i i, I don't I don't think so. Like, I didn't like no. say anything that was like derogatory. I didn't. So I was like, "Well, I don't. I mean, I guess it depends on how you define clean. I don't know."
1: Yes, that is an issue for a lot of people, and for good reason, I think. You know, it's is a comedian. You need to read the room. Right. That says as, as as you progress in your craft, you get better and better at reading the room. And that that also goes to the venue partners that you serve or where you're holding your comedy show and what are their tastes? What do they expect? And it's real important for a comedian that works on that spectrum for them, especially I have found working with my blue or mature comedians they're happy to meet wherever that line is they just need the people that they're serving and booking them to be very clear about what their definition of clean or cleanish is Right. so this is about meeting expectations and they i think the trouble that people have is when their expectation of that isn't met so yeah yeah, and, and
0: like I think for me, like because even at the open mic, like I, I was the only one who I'd say was a clean comic. You know, I mean, there's um, I mean, the, the rest of the guys are saying some pretty, you know, heavy,
1: much yes, racier, more material. more mature mature <laughs> yes. language. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: which i'm like i'm perfectly fine being a part of like i have no yes. problem um yes. actually i did an episode talking about that like so because i think sometimes people think oh you're a clean comic you don't want to be on a show with people who don't know
1: not necessarily so. yeah um, right
0: yeah and so um so it was kind of like interesting because it's like i didn't say anything derogatory and say anything and i don't think this person was actually questioning whether or not i'm a real clean comic they were just like is this is this racy for a clean comic? And I was like, I don't necessarily believe so. Uh, But again, like you said, I think it depends on how the venues define it and how people Mm -hmm. want to define it.
1: That's right. And in his mind is a he or, Yeah, Uh, it was was it was a he. he. Yeah, it was a he. Yeah. Uh, In his mind, he's probably asking himself the same question. I think a lot of people are trying to figure out, especially in today's modern society, it's like, where is the line? Yeah, (laughs) I don't know. know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like Chappelle, Chappelle has set the bar for how far (laughs) you think you can go.
1: Uh, and I appreciate that too. It You know, when there's a comic Mm-mm. out there l- using him as a wonderful example, it, you know, he's a master and when he's working mature, it has a purpose and there's intentionality and it's crafted mm-hmm. and That's respectable. Now, lots of times I can see, especially in the open mic environment, people are figuring it out. Let's all give everyone a lot of grace here. uh, But sometimes Mm -hmm. it can be used as a crutch, you know, for the quick laugh and the shock value. And that has a whole different feel to it than the mastery that Dave Chappelle is doing for us as an example. Yeah. Yeah as an exemplary example (laughs) yeah
0: i mean he's yeah there's i don't think there's anybody who's going to be able to reach him um in his in his ability to shape and craft a a a a set you know and Mm -hmm. but also the way he just i mean because he uses his language to really enhance instead of point yeah
1: yeah rather than a distraction yeah
0: yeah and, and so so with so with x2 comedy you do cleanish how do you set that bar like how do you so because because that, that's one of the things too like whenever i do an open mic people are like well how do you keep it where you're you know keep it clean I'm like well i set it up for you know i say like pg-13 you know try mm-hmm. to keep it in that range and of course now it's like people are like well what does pg-13 even mean nowadays because <laughs> before <laughs> it was like it was pretty clear but now you're watching the barbie movie come out and people are like oh my gosh like is that pg-13 i'm like oh my gosh like, like but right. anyway that's I haven't seen it. My wife just saw it. She's like, it wasn't that bad. I'm like, yeah, but also we don't have a very high, like, you know, anyway, that's a yeah, whole yes. whole other conversation.
1: <laughs> but, um, uh,
0: but, but when it comes to this, it's like, how do you, how do you protect your clean ish? Like, how does that, how does that go along for you guys?
1: It's in, back to the expectations. So when I reach out to a comic, for example, that I know works blue, I say, that's what we're expecting X amount of minutes, you know, cleanish comedy, which is PG-13. If they've worked with us before, they know what that means. They're familiar with it. They've, they've been on our shows. They've been on our stages. They understand. But if it's a new person that we're bringing in, they often will ask you know, well, what does that mean to you? Can you be clearer with me? And then I will answer the question. If they don't ask the question, then I'll be like, what is your definition of PG-13 so that we can make sure that we're on the same page before they even come to work for us? Yeah. So again, it's back to those expectations. I think that's the big thing that can de-stress a lot of people is just, are we on the same page or not about what this means? And once everybody's on the same page, then it helps them to prepare their material in a way where they can shine because they want to be you know, most times I find they would love to come back. Right. All yeah. our of our people love to come back. All our com- I, comedians are like, you feel like family here. It's really great. And so they want to come back. So they want to have their debut on an next 2 show, meet that expectation. So it works out for everyone when we actually do that in the beginning, when we're yeah. booking them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
0: So now, so now these younger comics who come on to open mics, right. Who, um, yeah. cause this is one of the things that for me, you know, like I say younger comics, like I've been doing this for like 80 years. Like, I've, I mean, I've only been doing this for like six years now. Right. But it's like, I'm still <laughs> like, I mean, but it's like, still though, you can see the ones who are still like, okay, this is your first, maybe your second time on in front of a microphone or behind a microphone. Um, But when they come on and they want to do this extreme racy material, just to kind of get that quick laugh. Now, what do you recommend to them? Like, I mean, like, so because this is where for me, like, I've I've had conversations with people who have these racy, racy bits that they're like, oh, yeah, did you see how many laughs? Like? I'm like, yeah, but do you have anything beyond that to shape a good set? Because you can get a quick laugh saying something really, really out of control mm-hmm. because people are going to have that awkward laughing moment. Because right. a lot of times that's what it is. It's a lot of people going like, that was, I don't, am I supposed to laugh at that? Like, that's an <laughs> awkward thing. Yeah. But then, you know, cause it, it, but then, you know, you have to have that conversation with them. Like, okay, what do you do next? How do you, or how do you step up to mics now knowing that you need to start developing your craft a little bit more than just a crazy wacky joke that's going to get a quick laugh? Uh,
1: I'm going to ask for some clarification in this question. So Is this advice I would give? Is this something they ask me and then I would give advice? Like, where is the context of where you're coming from with the question? Just yeah, understand think, you so I can answer yeah. it. Yeah.
0: yeah, I think I think either or honestly, I think that okay. because I think that when people come, so if somebody shows up to your comedy show, or if you're at, if you host an open mic, or if you're somewhere and you and you know people know who you are as mm-hmm. you know as you know a seasoned comedian, right? Yeah, that they yeah. can trust, that they can listen to, yes. and they can engage with. Like when you came and you gave some feedback to some of the jokes that I did and that kind of stuff. Like it helped, it helped me go like, okay, yeah, I gotta, I gotta tighten that up a little bit. I work on that because, yes. you know, but um so sometimes you might actually be able to give that kind of advice to somebody yeah. you just meet
1: but yeah. then there might be
0: somebody who comes and says okay give me some advice so so what would you what would you okay
1: ex- what would you yeah. say? absolutely so i in if they're looking at it to be oh hey can i become a cleaner comic or at least dial it down to pg-13 so i can be on the next two comedy show for example or your one of your mm-hmm. pg-13 shows I would say, okay, well, what's funny about that joke? What's the funniest part about that joke? And why is it funny to you? And Mm. what parts of that are just extraneous vulgar words that you can automatically just take away from it? And a, a very good question and example I'm just thinking of. In our X2 comedy classes, when we do those, You know, in in the working it out, the new material, we tell them, hey, when we get to the showcase, your material needs to be PG-13. But in order to help you find the best and funniest parts of those jokes along the way, we're stripping the PG-13 label off in the classroom. So deliver it how you would naturally deliver it. If you feel like vulgar language is a part of the way you communicate. You're not going to be judged for it here. It's in a no judgment zone. Let's just hear it so we can help you work toward a PG-13 set. So we actually had one of the students uh, basically had a a joke about... (laughs) a joke about a penis
0: (laughs) so right
1: and so she was making a joke about plant looking like that and she used the actual words and she had the vulgarity in it and and she delivered it and even in that context funny we said okay that's not gonna work for the showcase so what if You basically described it in a way kind of like your marital relations. We all know what's going on without actually being vulgar about it and give that a Mm -hmm. try. So she goes back up on stage, second round, does the same thing, was more hilarious. Absolutely one of her best jokes. And she landed it in class and then she landed it in the showcase and it was hysterical. So I find that some uh, what I run into with these comedians, even challenging them to rewrite it in a way where it's more innuendo rather than straight out straight vul- vulgarity, they find funnier jokes doing it that mm-hmm. way. Yes, because people yeah. like the illu- you know feeling the illusion of being kind of like on the inside joke, <laughs> right? And then yeah. they, it, it actually will create more hilarious material if you've never tried it before i recommend that you do if you especially if you're a comic i i it happened to me too i am actually work clean to up to pg-13 i don't really dance on the line that much at all and i was at a christian comedy conference and invited to do a set up front and i knew that their line of clean was even more uh (laughs) <laughs> strict than mine and so I had mm-hmm. a joke I was like "Ooh!" instead of I mean even with drinks this is like a non-drinking community that I was in front of so more yeah. of a teetotaler audience so I was like Ooh, instead of popping a bottle of champagne what could I do with this joke to make it funnier and it was centered around doing planks so it's like what could I pop open that would be pretty funny I could pop open a tub of Ben and Jerry's there you go. Right, and yep. so I delivered it there, and what ended up happening is the the response from the audience was even a bigger laugh than when I popped open a bottle of champagne, and it's now the new version of the joke that I use.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And is it? Isn't it great though? Like uh, it just probably <laughs> didn't happen for you, but like I've I've had a joke where I kind of I I tightened it up and cleaned it up a lot, a little bit, and somebody comes up to you and suggests something that, that you took out, like, like <laughs> I actually, uh, I actually took that out for this group. It's funny to me that you just told me to put it back
1: in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, And I think in the end, if your heart is into serving the audience that you are using your gifts to bring joy, you are inherently going to have more success. Because your heart's in the right place. And yeah. I find that some comics can be, or I've even seen it, where it's more self-serving. and you mm-hmm. certainly can actually be very self uh, successful being self-serving. But at the end of the day, we're we're all not gonna leave this planet alive. So I would just challenge people to think about what kind of legacy do you want to leave with your gifts? Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's great. That's great. I actually um, just had a conversation with I don't I'm not sure if you're familiar with John Huff. Um he's comedian no. out, of Ohio, out of Ohio. He has a okay. he has a he produces his own shows in Ohio. Um and one of the things that we talked about is the idea of like look, you know, we're not we can't be gatekeepers. Like we got to be Mm-mm. really trying to pre- helping. how do we support each other because yes. back back in the day, yeah, people wanted stage time, they wanted club time and so of course they, they would be like battling it out and trying to keep people out, you know, keeping people at arm's length so that way they can make, be able to move up quicker. In this day and age, it feels like, no, we're, we're actually saying like, we got to figure out how to be supporting and lifting each other up as much as possible. And so finding ways to um, use our gifts and our talents to support each other and lift each mm-hmm. other up and, and watch watch everybody succeed, right? That's, that's really the goal.
1: That's right. A rising tide raises all ships. It's interesting you should you know, shared that because there certainly was a a long period of what you were just talking about, you know, of kind of jockeying for a position, if you will. I have talked to comedians that are, yeah, I'm, you know, in my fifties and I've talked to comedians that are in their like sixties and they came up in an era that was exactly like what you're talking about. That's coming back now. In terms of supporting and lifting up the people that are coming up right behind you and the people that are ahead of you, reaching down to you to support you and lift you up. And it was much more uh, communal in that era. And I feel like we're starting to come back to that. And that really helps everyone, like you said raise up and we all become better comics and then we increase the amount of joy that we spread right in the world yeah <laughs> yeah and in a, in a yeah. time that we needed <laughs> yes
0: i mean like there's a point where being self-serving is okay like i mean and, and that's to, what a point, I actually, I, to a point to a point yeah. yeah to a point where it's like you know hey you're you're trying to uh, get on to st- get on to a festival or something like that's like okay you're gonna you're you're gonna be putting your stuff in you know that you're competing against thousands of others you got to try to move your way up into that place I mean like granted you don't want to you're but you don't do it to step on
1: you're that's what to, I mean by self-serving yeah. the stepping yeah.
0: on, yeah and yeah and unfortunately we do we do see that on occasion but it's like you know or people who are just afraid to lose their spot you know um which I think unfortunately happens everywhere. You know, it's just, you don't, you have people who are like, well, I've been doing this, you know, I've been doing this for 15 years, this guy's coming up and he's only been doing it for six and he seems to be getting more laughs or she seems to be getting more laughs than me. Uh, I'm not going to let them come on the show, like, or I'm not going to share their name too much, you know? And yeah, I mean, it and, and that happens in this sadly, but it's just one of those things where it's like, like you said, though, if we're using our platform, with, when our heart is in it to actually spread joy and, yeah. and bring bring people laughter, it doesn't have to be us bringing them laughter. We're going to be trying to get them to whoever they can get to, to experience it, especially in the season we're in. Right. We're mm-hmm. uh, like we're not we're not out of uh, the craziness like we're still coming out of the craziness, you know, <laughs> like and <laughs> and people and people need still need laughter, you know, and, and it's going to be forever, I think. So it's like, what? how do we how do we just help people and get engaged with that? So, and, and of course you're doing that with X2 and yeah. um and, and with your uh, Virginia's for Laughers podcast, you know, you're, yeah. you're really trying to make things, make things happen that way. And I, and that's why I appreciate the work that you're doing and, and how we can engage with each other and get, get people knowing more about what you do.
1: Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. And just another note about the self-serving while it's on my mind and I don't lose it too, that could look like there can be an attitude among some comics like, okay, well, I booked it. So that, let's say, and I've heard it and I've seen it, thankfully not in, in X2 and let's, let's pray that it stays that way. But I've seen <laughs> it on some other forums where a comedian, you know, agreed to do a clean set for someone and then got up on that stage and did whatever they wanted because you know, they're a comic, it's their material. They can do what they want. They want, I disagree with that approach because you agreed to do a clean set and then you disrespected the producer who is serving not only the venue, but an audience and marketed and promoted what kind of show this was going to be. And you basically disregarded it. Now you can make that happen to me. Oh, okay. Yeah, so,
0: I, I, I can speak. I can speak to that. Yeah, it's it's it was crazy
1: because, it, you I, know, I, it I, you yeah, know. it makes you look bad because you said you said you were going to do X. Now that comedian and I want to hear your thoughts about this because it happened to you. So that comedian got that one gig with you. But will you hire him or her again? Not at all. Absolutely. so they get one shot. So instead, if they had delivered it, that's self-serving, is it not? It's like I'm gonna do whatever mm-hmm. I want to do. I don't care what anybody else says this is my comedy. but you were who were you serving in that situation? yourself or the person mm-hmm. that paid you and hired you? So, oh I yes. didn't yes. even
0: pay the guy. Oh okay. like I, yes. like, so like the, the other people on the venue the other people on the show got paid. I did okay. not pay him because okay. he went against everything that I told him to because he so and, and and I and I was straight up with him. I was like, man, like, you know, I was trying to give him the light. He wasn't paying attention to the light. That's a big issue, which, um, you know, when, when you do open mics or when you do a mic and you're trying to tell people like, hey, look, it's time to get off and you're trying to get people to go off the stage and they're not listening. But, and they and that's frustrating.
1: That he started
0: he started, uh, he started basically um, being confrontational with the audience. Wow. Yeah, he was like, he's like, well, apparently you guys just don't get jokes because nobody's laughing at these, and and I was like, what are you doing? Like you're, you're, like he was the he was the second or third comic up, and so it basically like in and it basically killed the mood for the majority Mm -hmm. of the rest of the show. He made some racist jokes, and I was like, Mm -hmm. what are you like? This was not like. Obviously, I told him PG thirteen, keep it clean, you know, as much as possible. Like, try not to be too derogatory. He made jokes about um about african-americans about mm. their about their um their genitalia like all this stuff and the owner of the venue was african-american
1: mm.
0: his the owner's wife came to me and said if you ever do a show here again you better not have that guy come back because right. he obviously had no clue what was going on here and I was like I'm so sorry he, I, like I showed them the email I showed them the conversation Good. telling every comic like look I told them all oh, this is what they're supposed to do I was standing on the side trying to get him off the stage it wouldn't get off And like I, I mean the, at the last resort was gonna be just jumping up there taking the mic from his hand mm-hmm.
1: but he got off
0: there and and then basically he left and um and I and I told him I said you're not you're, I'm not paying you man like I'm not mm-hmm. giving you the money like the, there was a there was like I think it, it wasn't a lot it was basically gas money but still I was like, I'm not going to give it to you. Like you, you didn't follow any of the guidelines. You didn't follow any of the rules. You offended the owner, you offended the owner's wife, which is even worse in my opinion. <laughs> yep. And then um, you, you basically divided the audience that like, the audience was like, not like able to engage and it was hard to get the laughs back. And, um, mm. and that was, that was really aggravating. And when somebody does that to your show, gosh, it's just, it's a killer. And and mm-hmm. like, yeah, you don't, you don't want them back.
1: No, you don't. And you build a reputation by the way that you carry yourself in this community. And it's not a huge community really mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things. So right. how do you want to build your reputation? Do you want to be known as a comic who? doesn't break contracts, basically, by behaving in that manner. Do you want to be, or do you want to be a comic? Uh, They show up on time. They, they delivered, you know, what was agreed upon in the contract. They were easy to work with. They were pleasant to be around. You know, they were hilarious, which, of course, is really paramount at the top (laughs) of the list. You know, what kind of, and so then, you work for one producer, they have a great experience with you. You don't know who that producer knows you and I Mm -hmm. know each other. I could look at your social media and see you have someone on that I might want to have on. But I know, for example, that they do work dirty and that's that's on their social media. But I know you do PG 13 shows and I trust you and I've been on your show. I'm I will call you and it's happened to me. Where other people have called me, hey, so-and-so was on your show. How was it with, to work with them? Did they deliver the PG-13? Same thing. I could call you. Hey, Bobby, how has right. it worked with so-and-so? Did they do the PG-13? And you and I trust each other. You'll let me know. Now, mm-hmm. if I get feedback and it's that person, is that person going to be on my show too? no absolutely Mm -hmm. not so you want to ask yourself as a comedian especially a new comedian or maybe you've made mistakes i believe in grace i believe in second chances right Mm -hmm. so it's just don't beat yourself up but if that's kind of what you've already done you have an opportunity in my opinion to build a new reputation Mm -hmm. So if it didn't start out for you that way and that's where you want to go and you want to change course, then take the steps to change that course. Or you can choose. Everybody has free will. You can choose to keep working that way. But then ask yourself, how many opportunities are you going to have if you work in the way that that guy worked with you more or less? So do you want to do more comedy or less comedy? And how do you want to be known in the industry? Yeah. So, yeah,
0: that's big. Yeah. That's big. It is big. So, um, so when you okay, so you started comedy. How long have you been doing comedy then? Total, like, I mean, uh,
1: about six years too. Yeah, you've
0: been to, about six years too. So hmm. look at us. We're 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 youngins. I guess you could, maybe, but not necessarily. <laughs> right? I don't know. I mean, I, it's like. It was like, I, I don't know what I don't know how we classify ourselves anymore. But but I mean, we're there. The, so
1: it's it's the never too late comic.
0: Yeah. Look at <laughs> we're that. The
1: never It's never too late comics. That's what we are.
0: Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like that. So so then what what got you going? Like, because I mean, you know mm-hmm. six years you know you uh, i mean um you already said your age i'm not going to say it again because you know somebody else <laughs> somebody else if you want to hear it, you can rewind it and, and be like where'd she say it but i mean but uh, but i mean so you have been for six years and yeah. so now it's like so what got you engaged because i mean i i've been doing it for six years and i so and i'm i'm 41 um and so obviously for some standards they would say oh that's starting you started way late like how like how do you think you're going to make All it right. like oh uh, well I don't know if I'm going to make it, but I'm going to just keep right. going anyway. Um, so what is so what got you into it? What got you going?
1: Fear. <laughs> Fear okay. got me into it. Uh, I actually started out, in, and I'm going to give you the cliff note version, but I started out my college career as a theater major. And okay. what I wanted to ultimately be as a Hollywood actress. But my father died tragically in my freshman year in college, which altered my life course. So I ended up with a master's degree, an undergraduate and master's degree in exercise physiology. And I did a 20-year career in different aspects of health and fitness. In that journey, I ended up switching from health and fitness to a, a leadership position to teach leadership training classes to college students at James Madison University and I was mentoring a young student who was interested in theater so very much uh, but her parents felt like a degree in something else that would provide a more probable steady income than theater would be the best course of action for her. And since they were paying for her college education, that is what she needed to do. And so in that course of of mentoring her, I didn't say you should just drop your major and go into theater. You know, respecting what's going on with her family system. It's like, well, what can you do that helps you, you know, work in that outlet, but still pursue the major that your parents and you have agreed upon? So we got to talking. And after three weeks in that sharing with her, she just looked at me one day and said, I don't understand something. You seem to be all about people chasing their dreams, except the only problem is you stop chasing yours. Mm. Right. Mm. (laughs) Out of the mouth of babes. So (laughs) I was just like, Oh no. And I went home. I mean, it really impacted me and I went home and there was much crying on my husband's shoulder and he, we went into a local bagel shop and he saw an advertisement for a comedy play here locally in our community theater. And he said, you should go out and audition for that. I was petrified. I mean, the last time I'd been on stage, my sophomore year in college, and my final performance, I got a standing ovation and then I did nothing, you know, after that. Yeah. So, and I switched into the all exercise science thing. So it was a nerve wracking experience. And I got about three lines in this play. <laughs> one of them, it was a b- bizarre sci fi play. And one of my lines was, Will there be washers and dryers on the flying saucers? I mean, seriously, it was <laughs> very different, <laughs> but it started like, a whole. <laughs> what? what yeah. It's like on
0: on 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 Friends when uh, Joey's doing his is uh, where he's like um. Going onto a spaceship and he gets on the ladder. They're like, "What's going on to this whole play?" But yeah, that's it. Yeah,
1: it was like that, and that just started a journey, you know, from Harrisonburg, Virginia, figuring that out, and then I figured out how to get background roles on huge projects, filming in the DMV, and that was uh, House of Cards and Beep and political animals with Sigourney Weaver. And it was just like, okay, this is cool. And that was non-threatening because all I had to do was be background furniture, basically. But I met people and that led to doing some commercials and independent work. And I now have an agent here in Virginia and Virginia Beach. And then I've been auditioning lately for bigger roles that are on Netflix. I haven't landed one yet, but when they keep asking you to keep auditioning, then that's a great sign. Of course, right now there's a SAG strike. So (laughs) anyway, but along that journey, I met some local actors that are hilarious and some of them do improv. And we decided to get together and write and film comedy sketches and put them on YouTube. Nothing fancy, nothing regular, just for fun. If you want to go look, look up Friendly City Comedy. There we are on YouTube with a handful of sketches. And from that, I was like, I love comedic acting. So what is the one thing that scares you the most, on that will make you a better comedic actor? And I was scared to even say it out loud. I was like, that's stand-up. How am I going to do that? You know, <laughs> I so nervous about that. I thought, hmm. And I'm educational and intellectual. I was like, how do I learn stand-up? I should take classes. (laughs) I'll take classes. So I took classes in Silver Spring, Maryland, which is two and a half hours from where I live. And Mm -hmm. I did that trip once a week for five weeks to there and back. To take those classes and in the end it culminated in a graduation showcase and bobby this was supposed to be a one and done check it off the bucket list situation that is what it was mm. supposed to be yeah except the problem is i went <clears throat> and performed in this showcase and someone in the audience saw me perform and said hey i'm doing a show and you're hilarious and i want to put you on it and pay you okay <laughs> <laughs> and that is go. how I started my comedy career, or stand-up. Career. Wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I just wrote down "Friendly City" on my phone. That was me typing it <laughs> in. And just, but that was me listening and typing in. Going "Friendly City." Gotta make sure I put that in the show notes. But um yeah,
1: you can see uh, me pre-gray hair. I have long brown yeah. hair. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's great. That's yeah. that's that's an awesome story. But like, isn't that isn't that always like that's? I feel like in all the conversations I have, with people it's like. That's what it is. It's like, it's just basically saying, okay, you know what? I'm going to take this chance. I'm going to go for it. And it's probably not going to do anything. And then all of a sudden it it plays out. Like, I mean, for me, that's what I, I like, I did it like, because a friend of mine was like, Hey, you got 10 minutes. You want to come do it? And I was like, I don't know. He's like, man, you've always said you want to do stand up, put up or shut up. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. 10, <laughs> ten minutes. I can, I can tell a joke for 10 minutes. I could come up with something. So I tell it, like, I told my the joke that kind of became a staple for me is my poquito joke talking about me not going uh, to speak yeah. Spanish. And so yeah. then it's like, but that was my first joke I ever told in front of like 50 people. And I was like, okay, cool. Check it out. But then people were like, when are you doing more? And I was like, <laughs> uh, uh,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, if you guys, you guys think I should like, yeah. And I was like, okay. you know. And then boom, there it was, you know? Yeah. Um, and of course the rest is history. Like then, but it's like, it's just, that's pretty much what it is, right? You just gotta take that chance, see what happens. If it doesn't pan out, it doesn't pan out. But if it does, I mean, great. But you said something interesting. You mm-hmm. talked about taking classes. Yeah. Now I want to dive into this a little bit because that's a that's that's a fun topic. Th- that's a fun topic because I just yeah. watched uh, comedians in cars uh getting coffee with uh, Seinfeld and um this episode was with uh Steve Harvey, and they're hammering right above me, right when I'm asking this question. Um, <laughs> I
1: can't hear it for whatever okay,
0: well, well, good. <laughs> Um, this this mic that I've invested in that has the sound can, noise counseling stuff. And it looks like it works. But um <laughs> the um the conversation was around classes, like yeah, going to school for comedy. And Seinfeld says, Do you think do you think we can do this? And Steve Harvey is like, No, like you can't. Like he's like, in fact, he even said that he went to a comedy class and told the entire class, like, might as well just pat that you guys don't have it. If you're in this class, that means you don't have it. Mm. and and like and part of me is like okay i get it i get the i get the the idea behind it but then the other part of it is like i don't know like i just don't know like maybe you can't teach funny like maybe Mm -hmm. people just have to have a natural ability to see something that's funny but i feel like there's something that you can teach still in comedy so so let me Mm -hmm. hear your thoughts on classes for comedians
1: Yeah, it's interesting where he's coming from with that perspective, because there is some truth in that in terms of, I feel how big you can make it in comedy, you know, from that perspective. At the same time, my own story says something different, and we've taught comedy classes and we've taken people that don't think they can do it at all and have them perform on a showcase and nail it i mean is that every student that comes through the classroom it's like anything else you know there's there's no guarantee and the stats are against you if 100% of the students are all going to nail it and then go on to have fabulous careers of course not you know they could actually have a fabulous showcase out of that class and never want to do it again cuz they checked it off their bucket list so mm-hmm. in in a way part of what he's saying is accurate at the same time there people have real you know life as my main therapist would say are shades of gray and life mm. is complex and people are complex and there are yeah. some people like myself just with their own life story and journey just going out to do an open mic is way too intimidating But stepping into a classroom to dip their toes in it and get their feet wet to explore if it's something or not, or maybe even with the intention of checking off their bucket list and finding that it's taking them somewhere else that surprised them, they won't know that unless they go into a less intimidating environment to step their toe in the pool, so to speak, right? So in our last class, for example, we have. We have a uh, late, never too late comic (laughs) that signed up and something that she always dreamed about doing. And she spent her life career as a teacher. And she took our class naturally funny. And I'm not kidding you when I tell you, she practically got a standing ovation after her five minute set. It was that good. So good that the manager of the theater where we did the showcase and where we do x2 comedy shows came to me afterwards and says i want her on one of the x2 comedy shows i need you to make that happen and she is going to be our guest comic in the next show at that theater in august and i will tell you something else that's beautiful about that and i wasn't expecting this Um, my husband and i both co-teach that class um So afterwards, we went to after the showcase where she got the practically standing ovation. We went to the restaurant next door and and spent time with the classmates that we just went through this four week journey with, you know, and they just did the Mm -hmm. showcase and was amazing and everybody had a great time. And she stopped me and held my hand and looked me straight in the eye and she was like, you have saved my life. You've made a huge you and your husband have made a humongous difference in my life and awesome I can do this now and I feel empowered to do this now and it's something I've always wanted to do now if we never offered that class would she have had that moment right do you see what I'm saying
0: no yeah. So, yeah I get it
1: yeah yeah and so I think anybody can learn I, I love Winston Hodges is somebody we, he's one of our blue comics that we have on all the time and he does a great job. Well, he dances all over the PG thirteen line. Let's be clear, but, <laughs> <laughs> but we enjoy working with him, and that's why we keep bringing him back. And he keeps killing it. Mm-hmm. So the audience loves the audiences around here love him. But he even thought that way at one point, like Steve Harvey. Um, but uh, he's he's even further ahead in his career than than we are. And he just says, you know what? If people want to learn comedy. Anybody can do learn how to do a five-minute set now what they do after that and how innately funny they are in terms of where their career can or can't be remains to be determined but people can learn enough about the craft to be able to do five minutes in a showcase from a class yeah yeah
0: and that's and i think that's the thing like i've taken a couple classes myself like in order to like fine-tune my writing yes right yeah like in order to like okay so I'm trying to like cause my cause my jokes like I'm not I'm not a one-liner comic, right? I can't just like I'm not that's just not how I work, but I'm 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 a I'm a storyteller. Yes. With humor within the story throughout in order to keep getting laughs throughout the story. Like I can't just like that's that's how I I mean I might have like one maybe a couple one liners here there, but majority of them are all like boom, just stories that have humor in them. Um but at the same time, you know, you can't just tell a story, like you know the people who try to tell stories and like, oh, but then there's this point over here. And they have to come (laughs) back to this point. It's like you got to be able to fine-tune how you're telling the story in order to keep it going and not getting people like lost in it. And so I've been like I had to learn and and watch and read. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this is how I shape my this is how I shape my story in order to keep having the laughs coming um and i'm still like i'm not like perfect it, i'm still learning that process I'm, and I'm, i think i'm getting a lot better than what i was even from the last time that you saw me mm-hmm. i feel like i've gotten a lot better in in just that 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 time but again i think that you you can't i don't know if you can teach people how to have the comedic eye though right, right i think that right like you and i have com- comedians have a mind that work where when we see things we're instantly already making jokes about it even when it's yeah. inappropriate right yeah um, I mean you saw that when when the um, that that submarine went under right that uh, mm. the thing going for t- it's like even though I did not make any jokes about it um, I even took I even even I even removed a joke about the Titanic the Titanic movie. Uh, from my from my bit I was actually going to be doing one uh, at an open mic like didn't even know about this this thing going on but I was going to work through this uh, this Titanic movie joke that I have but I took it out because I was like this is I can't make a joke about Titanic after this event Mm. I just felt bad but I also was making jokes in my head (laughs) about the Titanic (laughs) event right yeah and and as you saw throughout social media you saw jokes being made because comedians we have that that mind mm-hmm. and i don't know if you can teach people that i think there's some people who just mm-hmm. can't get to that point of where they can see comedy in almost everything they interact with right like, right and so i think maybe maybe that's a perspective that steve harvey and I think that, might carry too i don't know
1: i think that's if I had to guess, and I could only, you know, confirm this and affirm this, having a conversation with Steve Harvey. Right. But my my guess is, my educated guess is that was his point. You know what I yeah. mean? That, you know, that we're a little different. <laughs> The comedic mind is a little different, and it thinks differently. You know that mind thinks differently, and think Mm -hmm. those things are going to come innately to us. They don't necessarily have to be taught. That perspective does not have to be taught, right? And so that will naturally take you a lot further to have perhaps one day, or have the ability and possibility to have a career like Steve Harvey's. You know, he's. He's just naturally funny. he doesn't have to think mm-hmm. about being funny. he just is right, yeah, yeah, yeah
0: yeah so um, in just these last few minutes that we have together, um I want to talk a little bit about so your your show, you produce it um you know, what is the what's the what are what are you seeing now in comedy that you're really enjoying, but what are things that you're also like, oh man, this is this is hard to, to deal with, like, even though, it, like even, <laughs> even though it's good. Right. But it, or maybe it's, maybe it's not, I don't know. Like, it, um, you know, for instance, people, I mean, have their own opinions about, uh, you know, a certain comic, I don't want to say his name, uh, but a certain oh, I comic think who, I know who, who does, has come. Who, who's come who, up. <laughs> go ahead. Does he take a shirt no, off? <laughs> yeah, uh, well, well, I mean, there's, so there's that comic, Um, okay. but the, well, well, I mean, the, both the comics do. The, the, so I'll say you might be referring to Bert Kreischer. Uh,
1: oh, yeah, he does. He, he does stand up without his shirt off, right? Yeah, That's yeah, one yeah. I'm that guy, of.
0: that guy. Yeah. But the other guy, um, I'll say his name, Matt Reif, right? Yeah, there we um, go. <laughs> yeah, Matt Reif has been doing his his stuff, but he built himself up through um TikTok and mm-hmm. you know YouTube and mm-hmm. basically putting stuff in there, and some comics are having a hard time with that. They're like, this mm-hmm. guy, this guy built himself up, and and he and and he didn't really put in the work. That's what a lot of people think. Mm. And then you have Bert Kreischer, who also um, he, I mean, he had the ability to go ahead and invest in uh, pouring into social media as well. Like he became social media famous as well, you know, like and and then he became who he is today. With social media, TikTok, all that stuff, but then you also have the comics who are trying to go to mics and trying to build up their stuff. What, like, what do what do you see that's good? What do you see as bad? What do you how how do you how do you work around that, or how do you feel about that kind of stuff?
1: I'm glad you brought Matt Reif up because I think this is a great educational moment, and and to no fault to anyone out there making those kinds of assumptions because it seems like. just appeared out of nowhere and here he is because he put his stuff on tiktok and i think what a lot of people don't realize is he's been doing comedy for over 10 years Mm -hmm. so he didn't just come out of nowhere he's done the open mics and done the hard work he just figured out a way to get his he was getting the closed doors from the traditional channels and then he used a tool that's available to all of us if we want to use it and that's through social media And he took the initiative to do it and he put his stuff out there. And now here we are. So what does that say to the rest of us? It says we have that same ability. The same tool is accessible. If we want to get more people to know what we're comedy is about, we can do the same thing. We can take the initiative. We can put the clips out there and then let the chips fall where they may or be a, we can steer our own ship however we want to. So Mm I think that's important to just keep be mindful of in when mm-hmm. you're looking at Matt Reif and understanding he just didn't start doing comedy last year and now he blew up, you know, he's been around a minute. And I think that's mm-hmm. important to know too, when you're evaluating however you feel about him. And then what is interesting too, <laughs> though, what are you talking about the challenges? What do you see? Well, that's exciting for him that he's out there. And what he's chosen to do is pretty crafty. And I see a lot of other comics kind of trending in this way. And I get it. They're putting their best crowd work moments out there. And there's a thing of beauty in that decision uh, to do it that way, because then you don't have all your material out there. Mm -hmm. So when somebody hires you, the jokes you've been working on and cultivating over however many months or years you've been into it, not everybody's seen all of it. Because those are organic moments. But what we're finding, this is very interesting, since uh, Matt Reif has blown up and other comics choosing to do that, we are noticing that our audiences are becoming more chatty with us.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, as if... They want to be a more a part of the show, if and you see mm-hmm. it in their behavior. Now, what's beautiful about it? Now, the the upside about that is it's a joyful, uh, approach. They're coming from. They kind of they want those moments. It seems like, mm-hmm. and they're not coming at it as a heckler. I'm attacking you, kind of thing. They're just throwing stuff out there and say well, what will happen. What will this comic do with this?
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't know if you've noticed that too. But the just, audiences it, are becoming more chatty with us. Do you see that? Yeah, it just that?
0: happened. Yeah, it just happened a couple okay. uh, mics ago for me. Yeah. And, okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and and that's both exciting but also terrifying in my opinion. But it challenges yeah, us as no. a comic. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: Where what we I noticed too is this? that.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, because even with the um, with the person who I, I interacted with. um, you know i posted the video of me interacting with her about yeah. uh, aldi and i put it on uh, tiktok that video has over 23,000 views on tiktok see and out of all and i i mean i just posted one of me just doing my normal stuff and i had like 4,000 views you know but like yeah this one but this one had over 23 and a half thousand views and i'm like what what in the world like this is something like but because people kind of I think people like the idea of the comic interacting but at the same time I think they like the idea of people being razzed a little bit too I think they like that idea of people like they're getting they're getting involved in the jokes and I think that's that's a big thing but also yes it is scary though too for for many of us
1: (laughs) I know it's like oh I didn't know I was gonna have to get good at crowd work now too (laughs) yeah yeah but it's an opportunity you know for us to grow and connect with people and i don't know how long the trend is gonna sit stay here or where it's gonna take us but it is both of that exciting and terrifying at the same time yeah i think yeah. it's gonna stick,
0: stick around until ai decides to figure out how to like take over <laughs> for us. when, take A, over when the ai world. when ai figures out how to do crowd work we're gonna be in real trouble i think that's what we're gonna be <laughs> i
1: don't no, may i could get that far it's funny it's funny but also on a serious note i don't know if you've ever worked with ai to play around with comedy to see what it'll do but i've played yeah. around with it just to see what it will do it's in the corny dad joke stage right now it's okay it's It's actually humorous and and sometimes, frankly, not funny at all. And when you're you're just seeing, you know, hey, here's can you punch up this joke? I don't necessarily use it, but I just want to see what it'll do. And sometimes it's okay, and sometimes it's horrible. Um, But I'm not so sure that that is a a industry it can take over because it's not human. It's not human. And that's the beautiful thing about comedy is it is taking the funny lens or perspective on what it means to live and be a human and relating in that way. Mm -hmm. And you have to walk through someone's shoes to understand what they're going through. And an AI cannot ever be a human. So it's not ever going to be able to connect like a human. So it might be the one industry. It's not going to be able to completely conquer.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point. (laughs) Yeah, it's a great point. Yeah. Well, Donna, I, I thank you so much for your time. I'm going to, so before we wrap up, like where can people find you? How could they, I mean, I see it on the screen here, but for the yes. the audio listeners, because this will be on YouTube later, but the audio oh, listeners, oh
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So the audio <laughs> listeners, when they, when they, when they want to find you, where can they find you?
1: I would go to, for X2 Comedy, you go to x2comedy.com. Listen to the podcast, Virginia's for Laughers is available on any podcast platform where you listen. And then my husband who did, started comedy two years ago is naturally gifted at this. And we, we do gigs where we work solo gigs. We started to do co-sets. So we're starting to play around with, you know, co-hosting and doing more comedy together also. So you can follow the funny Womack's on instagram and facebook it's
0: a it's a great follow it's a great follow i i I enjoy it it's good (laughs) yeah awesome and And that's
1: w w o m a c -C yeah i wanted to clarify how to spell it w o m a c k
0: awesome yeah it'll be all the information will be in the show notes uh and so people will be able to find you and i and i put the links there so they can just click on it and boom pop you right over so it'll be it'll be great um i love your virginia's for lappers the play on the (laughs) the state slogan of virginia's for lovers um which i which is great um and i I always love seeing that sign when i cross over the border so
1: it's a good time (laughs) it is a good time yeah yeah. Well, we're
0: hopefully we'll be able to work together soon again and um, and be able to make some make some people laugh together it'd be a good time so I uh, I appreciate you and uh, thanks again for your time
1: you bet oh yeah and you can bring my husband up if you need somebody sometime too I'll go hey. I'll be his guest
0: yeah or <laughs> well, when when I get off of uh because because my um my friend Rev T-Mac and I were going to be doing our our coming in clean comedy tour starting at the end of September. And then once that's over in October, um, I don't know, I don't know how long I'll be able to continue with the new baby coming. Cause we have a new baby mm-hmm. coming in December. And so Yay! when that baby comes,
1: yeah, uh,
0: so yeah. So when that baby comes, I might be taking a couple months off to kind of make sure that I can keep the other kids alive. Um, <laughs> and then, then from there, see what happens. But, um, yeah. but yeah, so when we start, when we start making more stuff, we'll, we'll get together. It'd be great.
1: That's fine. See, some people master in public relations, and I believe you have mastered marital relations. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty good at it.
0: I am pretty good at it. Uh, we... <laughs> but I mean, I, I, it... I'd, I'd almost, I'd almost say I'm pro. I'd, uh, All right, in
1: this it. number five, Bobby. In it it is is number five, it's... you know, you, you know how this happens, right? Like
0: yeah well this is this is definitely the last one i've already nicknamed okay. this one snippy this one this one's yeah
1: <laughs> okay yeah, we're making like... sure we're making yeah, sure. One, it won't one's... stop the marital relations but it'll stop no. the baby making
0: <laughs> it'll 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 definitely stop the side effects um so
1: <laughs> that's <Well>. awesome
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right well hey you know all don right. th- thanks again We'll we'll be connecting soon i appreciate your time
1: Absolutely. Thanks, Bobby. <laughs> <All> right, bye. <laughs>
0: bye. You hey, listened to Taking Up Your Time with Bobby Benavides, and uh, I appreciate you. I really do. Thanks for hanging out, hopefully laughing a little bit, learning a little bit about comedy. Just enjoying your time while I take it up.